Well, good, good morning, good morning. I hope uh, you guys are doing amazing on this Sunday morning. I hope things are going well. Uh, we are uh, moving through this sermon series, uh, Walking by Faith, and uh, so many, so many uh, powerful, I think, truths that we read in the scripture uh, that Paul gave us or Jesus gave us, that we find in the Gospels. Uh, about walking by faith, like what it really means to walk by faith. Like a lot of people claim to have the faith, like we, we live in the faith, we, we're this or we're that religion or that faith or whatever. True faith only comes in the scripture, in the word of God. This is where we learn what faith is at all. And it's here that we learn what it means to walk by faith doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what religion thinks. All that matters is what God's word says. That is all that matters. And so we are diving into the word of God to discover what it means to walk by faith. And there's a number of things that we have talked about. We walk by faith and not by sight. I doubled up. We uh, Faith without deeds, James says, is dead. This light, Paul said, that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Jesus, who loved me, gave his life for me. Colossians 3, faith clothes itself in Jesus. Galatians 5, walking by faith is walking by the Spirit. You cannot walk in faith without the Holy Spirit in your life. 1 Corinthians, faith is taking a stand. And when we take a stand in Jesus, walking in faith with Jesus, there isn't a thing on the planet that will move you. Psalm 27, faith means waiting on God. We are going on his timing and his timing alone. Philippians 2, faith is having the mind of Jesus. Matthew 26, not my will, but yours be done, we said last week. Okay, that's what we talked about, that, that faith is about living out the will of God, living out the will of God. And today, today, Walking by faith means, well, what does it mean? And we just named, named a bunch of things that it does mean, but there's so much more. And uh, we're, we're kind of coming down to our last final two weeks on this sermon series, and we're going to change gears and do something a little different. But what does it mean to walk, to walk by faith that we have not touched on? I, I hope maybe you'll think about some things that... It means to walk by faith. If you're in a living room with a, a, a few people, maybe you can hit pause right now and talk about what it means to walk by faith that we haven't really said already. Because there's a number of things that we could go on and continue talking about. But I'm going to wrap it up next week on this series. So what does it mean to walk by faith or but what does it mean even practically for you? What does that mean in your life? Like as you go to work tomorrow, as you go out into the community, as you do what you do, for you, what does it mean to walk by faith? Well, we will uh, be in the Gospel of Matthew today. Matthew, okay? And in Matthew chapter 28, if you'll go there in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 28, uh, what we see there in the first 10 verses, of course, Matthew 28, this is the last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. This is the end of the life and the ministry of Jesus. We're going to move into the book of Acts after the Gospels. And so 
well, I don't mean us personally, but I, I mean after the Gospels, the church's birth and the book of Acts happens. And so in Matthew uh, chapter 28, the first 10 verses, uh, what happens is Jesus raises from the dead. He rises from the dead. Uh, there is uh, an earthquake. There's angels from God. A stone is rolled away. And there's an empty tomb. Okay? As Jesus rises from the dead, all these powerful, crazy things happen. In verses 11 to 15, the guards go to the chief priests. The guards that were at the tomb are now guilty of, uh, you know, guarding a tomb that is now empty. They go to the chief priests and they report to the chief priests. Remember, these are the religious leaders. What had happened? And the chief priests, they meet with the elders and they make up a lie. They make up a, a, a plot and a story about what they're going to say happened. And it is a lie. It's fabricated. The guards then get paid off in verses 11 to 15, and the lie now goes public, that the disciples came and stole the body. That's the lie they're going to go with. Well, we come to verses 16 to 20, and here's what the scripture says. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Jesus, or they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. <clears throat> Walking by faith means this. If we're going to claim to walk by faith, if we're going to say we're followers of Jesus, we're going to claim that we are walking by the faith of Jesus, that God is handed down to us through the apostles and the prophets and the Holy Spirit, if we're going to claim to walk by faith, then that means living out this great commission. This great commission that Jesus gave to the disciples and to everyone who would call themselves a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Christ. So walking by faith means that we are going to go about our daily business. We are going to go about raising our kids. We're going to go about handling money. We're going to go about everything we go about in this umbrella of living out the Great Commission. And what is the Great Commission? Well, first of all, it's great. It's tremendous. It's awesome. It's huge. It's awesomely wonderful. It is the best ever. It is great. Huge. Magnificent. Every word that describes something like amazing is great. Commission means a command or a duty or an instruction or a mission to be carried out. The great, the grand mission. The great commission. Jesus gives them the great commission and everyone who claims to walk by faith is charged to carry out this great commission. Well, 
What does it mean? And, and how do we live out the Great Commission? Well, allow me to um, break it down. The passage we just read, Matthew 28, 16 to 20, we're going to break that down right now into, into pieces and just march our way through it, okay? The passage itself tells us how to go about living out the Great Commission. And the first thing that we see in this passage, verse 16, is it begins with the, a disciple of Jesus. It starts with the disciple. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain Jesus told them to go. A disciple walking in by faith is only for followers or disciples of Jesus. There is no point in walking by faith, although the world would be a better place if we all did things God's way. But only disciples of Jesus are living by this kind of faith. There are people who do good things. There are people who have decent morals and all of that comes from God. It all comes from the truth of God and the way God wants us to treat people and love one another. But a true disciple of Jesus is one who is a follower of Jesus and a student of his word. Walking by faith then is only really for followers of Jesus who have attached themselves or connected themselves to Jesus. Everyone on the planet is not a disciple of Jesus. All who attend a church somewhere are not disciples of Jesus. <clears throat> they might be churchgoers, but they may not be, may or may not be, disciples of Jesus. See, people are lost and they are stuck in their sin and everybody needs Jesus, but everybody does not have Jesus. And here's what Jesus says about being a disciple. He says a disciple is a follower of Jesus, a student, a learner of God's truth, a doer of the word, a representative of Jesus to the world. That's what a disciple is. God's representative to the world, representing and exemplifying the ways of God to the world, being the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey or you will do what I say. So disciples love Jesus more than they love life. In fact, they are willing to give up their life for the cause of Christ. And did you see that in the passage, in the, in the verse there that I just read? Disciples go, if you look at verse 16, disciples go where Jesus tells them to go. He told them, go to a certain mountain in Galilee, and they went. This is what a disciple does, obeys what Jesus says to do. If you're a disciple of God's, then you would be wrapped up in obeying whatever it is that Jesus has for you in your life. And that may be different in some personal ways or some very specific ways for you than it is for anyone else. God has a mission for you. He has gifted you and he has a purpose for your life. And if you're a true disciple of Christ, you're going to figure out what that is. Your special purpose on this planet, why God put you here. And you're going to be about doing what God has called you to do. A disciple is a person who has surrendered their lives to Jesus. So God, it's not about me, it's about you. It's not my will be done, but your will be done. A disciple is one who believes, who repents, who has 
confessed Jesus Christ as Lord of their lives. A disciple is one who has been baptized or immersed into Jesus, forgiven of their sin, key, that we can come back into the presence of God. And we receive then the gift of the Holy Spirit. The only way to become a disciple of Jesus is through Jesus Christ. We must surrender to Christ if we want to be a disciple of God's or a disciple of Christ's. Jesus takes ordinary people who have surrendered their lives to him and Jesus makes disciples out of us. The priority of every disciple is to love the Lord your God with everything in you and to carry out the great commission, which is to go into all the world and make disciples. Disciples are those who make disciples. So what does a disciple look like? Well, check out this cartoon. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them, from last week's passage, texting. Can you believe that? Can you not keep watch for one hour without texting? I'm sure there's some of you right now on the couch texting. Maybe sitting in the pews texting. You're playing a game. You're, you're on your phone because because we have become so consumed with the things of the world. And a true disciple of Jesus, you know what they do? They follow Jesus, they stay alert, and they don't allow themselves to be distracted. A true disciple is a person who has discipline. Discipline. And every one of us are sucked into this. And sometimes what we just simply need to do is just shut the phone off and put it away and leave it there so we can focus on what it is God is trying to do in our life. A disciple. Do you love him? See, the first thing about living out the Great Commission is that this, it begins by being a disciple. Do you love Jesus? Number two, discipleship flows into worship. When you're a disciple of Jesus, worship is what happens naturally in your life. When the Holy Spirit comes and takes over, the Holy Spirit wants to worship the Father. And as long as we are in tune with the Holy Spirit and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we are going to join the Holy Spirit in us in worshiping God. When they saw him, the verse says, when they saw Jesus on the mountain in Galilee, when they saw him, they worshiped Jesus. True disciples love to worship the Lord. Singing and praising the Lord should be the natural reaction of Christ living in us. Joy should fill your soul when Jesus comes into your life. There should be a permanent smile on your face and there should be a permanent sense of joy in your heart that nothing in this world matters that much when God is living in you. Greater, so much greater is the one in you than anything going on in this world or your life in this world. God is bigger than all of it. And when God comes in, joy comes out. That just should be a natural reaction to your life. 
But true worship is way more than singing. It's not about just singing some songs to God and praising the Lord in worship. True worship is about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, everything in you. It's about worshiping him in spirit and in truth, not necessarily in physical ways. It's about loving others the way you love yourself. Worship is about being the salt and the light to the world. Worship is not attending church. Worship is being the church. Worship is not about going to some sanctuary. Worship is that you are the sanctuary that God lives in. He dwells in you. You are that sanctuary. 24-7 for God. That's, that's what worship is. That he is God of every second of your life, every heartbeat, every blink of your eye. God is God of your life completely. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Paul said, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. What is true and proper worship? To, to offer your bodies to God, to say, God, here I am, use me however you want. And we do this because of what he has done for us in view of what God has done for you in view of his grace in view of his mercy that he has shown you that he has invited you to become one of his children. He has a place for you in heaven if you're a follower, a disciple of Christ in view of what God is doing for you. We say, God, here I am. Use me however I want. This is worship. This is what worship is all about. When they saw Jesus, they worshiped Jesus. Most likely they fell on their faces to the ground and worshiped. But do you notice what it says in the passage? It says this, but some doubted. Man, I, I, I hate that that's in there. You know, personally, it makes things a little awkward, maybe a little difficult. Some doubted. But I'm so glad that it is in there because it shows the honesty of God. Like Matthew is not trying to hold anything out. Jesus is not trying to pretend that everyone is on board. There are some people that just are simply not on board. And, and God is not afraid to say, hey, look, not everybody's going to jump in. Not everybody's going to be on board. Not everybody wants to be a disciple. Not everybody is going to jump into worship as a disciple. But it makes things different. After seeing all that Jesus did in his ministry, after seeing his appearances for 40 days alive after his crucifixion, still, some are just not sure. Some are still doubting. And what it speaks to is the reality of the human heart. That even though we see it, even though we know it, even though we can't deny it, the human heart has its doubts. And, and what it says to me is that some doubt in our life is okay with God. God is okay with that. God is not afraid. God understands our doubts. He's okay with that. He's okay with us not, not or, or wondering why is this happening or why won't this uh, take place in my life? Why can't, why won't you answer my prayer, God? And it speaks to the truth in every one of our lives that God is okay with us questioning life. And then if you honestly seek the Lord, if you honestly are seeking God, in your doubts, God, help me understand. 
If you are honest with God, he is going to show you. He is going to be honest with you. Some doubted. And God was okay with their doubt. When the disciples saw him, it says, they worshipped him. What's worship look like? What does worship look like? Well, it could look like singing and, and praising God for sure. But true worship, true worship is about serving God. Worship is about serving the world. It's about doing acts of kindness in this world that point people to Jesus, that point people to the God of our salvation. This is worship, offering yourself to God to be used to love other people. This is worship. And the question is, do, do we really love him? Do we love him? Number three, surrender to his authority. Surrender to his authority. What does it mean to walk by faith? What does it mean to live out the Great Commission? Well, here's what it means. It means surrender to his authority. Each, every, each of these points could be a whole sermon of itself. So we're moving through this passage pretty quickly. But, but, but living out the Great Commission means that we surrender to the authority of Jesus. Jesus said to them, and Jesus proved it with evidence all through his ministry. But here we are at the end, and he says, guys, again, a reminder, all authority. And I'm sure they're thinking, oh, man, he walked on water. He calmed the storm. He fed thousands of people. He healed the lame, the sick, the blind. He raised the dead. They're thinking of all these things. And Jesus said, yeah, Jesus, yeah, all authority is yours. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, he just makes that statement to these guys like a reminder. Hey, remember who I am. All authority in heaven, all authority on earth. That pretty much covers all authority everywhere. He is over it all. Heaven includes all that is spiritual, all that is eternal, all that is above and, and the things that we don't see. Authority on the earth includes all that we do see and all that we know and all that is visible. When the Bible says that Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. When Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 that the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of God. The firstborn over all creation, for in Jesus all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, things visible, things invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, Paul says, have been created through him and for him. Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. It covers everything, everything that there is. Everything that there ever will be, sorry, everything everywhere, it becomes evident that all authority in every space and in all things that are over creation, the elements, every sickness, disease, over life, over breath, over death, over trouble, over calamity, persecution, hunger, destitution, danger, threats, angels, demons, every fear, every worry that you will ever have. Jesus says all authority over everything is his. Every principality, every throne, every power, every ruler, every dominion, things above, things below, things that are visible, things that are invisible. 
All authority has been given to Jesus and he proved that he has authority over all things. It all belongs to him. He is completely over everything above and below. All authority. All authority has been given to Jesus. And God calls us to surrender to his authority. And what does surrender look like? This is what it looks like. It means give it up. Like stop trying to be the God of your life. You are not. Let go and let God have full control of your life, of everything about you. It doesn't mean necessarily lay down and do nothing. It means personally surrender your life to God. All authority is his. All authority is his. Give it up. Do you love him? Do you love him? Jesus goes on to say, go make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth have been, has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. See, true disciples, a true follower of Jesus, somebody walking in the face, somebody living out the Great Commission, a true disciple of Jesus who has surrendered to the authority of God is going to go out and make disciples. Disciples make disciples. Now, this needs to be very personal to, to each and every one of us because in the church, what we have done or what we have established is that we hire people and they're the ones that are supposed to be doing that. We are somehow relieved of our duty of making disciples. And I am here to tell you that you have never been relieved of your duty for making disciples. Not by God, you haven't. You may have by the enemy who has tricked the church into thinking that the professionals do that and we just kind of attend and enjoy the services. That, that, that is so wrong. That is not what the church is about at all. True disciples. Every one of us is a disciple and every one of us is to go out and make disciples. You want to follow Jesus with your life? Go make disciples. You want to claim the hope that God has given to mankind? Go make disciples. You want to appreciate the salvation that you have free from your sins? Go make disciples. So we covered what a disciple is and we so so that we know what a disciple looks like, right? He's a true, faithful, obedient follower of Jesus. We just talked about that a minute ago. And Jesus says, whatever that is, go make more of those. Whatever you believe and see in the scripture about a disciple, go and make more of those. Get out there and make something happen. This is your marching order. This is my marching order. You and I have been commissioned in the great commission of Jesus to go and make disciples. In our passage, Jesus commissions the disciples to go and make disciples. How did they do that? Or how did they do in that? You know, you think about how, how effective has the 11 then Paul was added and some others. How effective have the disciples been in making disciples? And here we are, 2,000 years later, more and more disciples. So we can conclude that they did a very good job. They did an amazing job. They did such a good job, you know exactly where I'm going with this, right? 
They did a great job of making disciples. How are we doing? How are you doing at making disciples? Like if we're true followers of Jesus, this is our, this is our commission. This is our job. This is our duty. What's it look like? What's it look like to go make disciples? Simple. You become a disciple, you go and you make disciples. And the church grows and the kingdom grows. The church should be growing because of you. Because you are out there making disciples. Not because other people are, but because you do. You personally are responsible for helping the church grow. Every one of us are responsible for helping the church grow. How are we doing with this? How are you doing with this? Forget about what everyone else is doing. We don't get to look and point at other people and say, well, what about them? What, that, 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 what they do does not matter. Your responsibility is to do what Jesus told you to do, and mine is to do what Jesus told me to do. And collectively, all of ours is to do what Jesus told all of us to go and do. Do we love Jesus? Do we really love Jesus? Walking by faith means living out the Great Commission. And what's that look like? Well, Jesus goes on to say, baptizing people into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what we are to do. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hey, disciple, you are supposed to go out and baptize people. Stop expecting it to be just the preacher, the pastor, your ministers, the people that, that get paid to do these things. They are to lead the way. There's no doubt about it. But they are not to be the ones doing it all. We are to do it all together. Together. They are just our leaders to help us lead the way. Somewhere along the lines, we've gotten confused and we've got, began to think that it's supposed to be their, this is their job. They get paid to, to baptize people. They get paid to teach people. They get to pay to grow the church. They get paid to do it all. But that is not the case. We pay pastors so that they can take off of doing other kinds of work and be available to help us carry out the Great Commission. Their job is not to just carry out the Great Commission for us. Their job is to help us, to prompt us, to urge us like I'm doing right now, to go out there and do what Jesus told all of us to do. Baptize. You are supposed to be baptizing people into Jesus, into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why baptize and what is baptism? Baptism is to immerse. It means to submerge. It means to bury somebody underwater. Baptism is completely connected and tied to Jesus and his salvation. 
It's being buried with Christ in his death and raised with him in a newness of life to be born again in Christ. It's a complete burial. It is not a sprinkling. It's the react. It's a reenacting of what Jesus did for you and me when he died and was buried and he rose again from the dead. The Bible says it like this in Colossians chapter two. Check this out. Paul says like this. Having been buried with Jesus in baptism, in which you were also raised with Jesus through your faith in the working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Baptism is about being buried with Jesus and raised again in the newness of life. Paul said in Romans 6, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism, baptism. It's about being buried and raised with Jesus. We must be baptized. Who can, who can baptize? Who can baptize? Any believer can baptize. You, me, our kids, our other uh, church members, anybody who is a believer in Jesus Christ can go out and baptize other people into Jesus, into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When should we baptize? Right away. Don't put it off. Why should we baptize? Consider these uh, biblical truths. Jesus was baptized by John. Example number one. The disciples went about baptizing new believers. That's evident. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the first sermon ever preached to the world, 3,000 people were added to the church, and the Bible says those who accepted the message were baptized. 3,000 added to the church that day. Paul taught what baptism is. We just read two of the passages that Paul shared, Colossians and Romans. Book of Acts, just about every conversion that we read about in the book of Acts, dozen, there's more, Every one of them ends, or almost every one, 99% of them end with the person being immersed into Christ, being baptized. And right here in this passage, in the Great Commission, some of the final words that Jesus is going to share with his disciples, he gives them these marching orders, go and baptize people. Can we stop, please, can we stop trying to undermine what Jesus said to do in our world, in the Christian community, in our churches, and these churches out there that, that, that claim that it's not that big a deal to give your life to Christ in baptism? Can we stop just undermining what Jesus said and just start doing what Jesus said? My little rant for the moment. What does baptism look like? What does baptism look like? Man, it looks like this. It looks like new life. It's a celebration. When somebody gives their life to Christ and they come up out of that water and they know that, that I have been washed of my sins, that Jesus has just met me in this burial, in this watery grave of baptism. Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be the one who gets to lead somebody to the point where they make this decision to become a new creation in Jesus? What an awesome opportunity we all have. Don't you want to see people saved? I mean, come on. If you're a follower of Jesus, what greater joy is there than to see young people or older people or anybody that's old enough to understand what it means give their life to Christ? Do we love him?
Do we really love him? Then go and baptize people into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's all of our responsibility, yours and mine. Jesus says, teaching them to obey everything. Teaching, yes, that is the job of the church. The church should be teaching people about Jesus. But don't forget, you and I are the church. We are all the church. And it's our job as a believer to teach others. Every one of us, all of us collectively are to be teaching the world about Jesus. We should be teaching our families. We should be teaching our friends. We should be teaching anyone and everyone who will listen, who wants to know more about God. We should be teaching our children at the church where we attend, where we worship. And we should be teaching our teenagers and we should be teaching our adults. This responsibility falls on all of us. Every one of us should find a place to serve in the local church and in our communities if we're truly going to walk the faith. If we are going to walk like Jesus and do what Jesus said, that every one of us should be overly involved in the work of the church and not overly involved in the work of the world. See, we've got it backwards. We're doing so much in the world where it isn't going to mean a hill of beans and we're doing so little in the church where it's going to mean eternal life for the world. We've been duped. We've listened to the lies of the, the evil one and we have traded in the things that are most important for the things that mean nothing. And it's time that we get that back in order. It's time for us personally to say, I am not going to be a part of being led astray by the ways of the world. I am going to get back to the heart of God and the heart of worship and be about what God has called me to do. And I'm going to do it. And I don't care if anyone else does. I am moving closer to what the Lord wants in my life. All of this is all of our responsibility. There are no professionals in the kingdom of God. There are no professionals there, only faithful followers, you and me, faithful followers. Go and teach by our example, go and teach by our words. More than once, Jesus sent the disciples out to teach. Philip taught the eunuch. Uh, Paul taught in the synagogues. Peter taught uh, the, to the Gentiles. He explained the truths of God. Dozens of times what we read about Jesus is this. And he began to teach them many things, saying, and he taught them. It, it really is all of our responsibility. Colossians 3 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. That's all of us doing this. 1 Peter 3 says, but in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Deuteronomy says, you shall teach them to your children and shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. We are all to be teaching others about Christ. What are we to teach? Why don't you just start by teaching who Jesus is? Teach about Jesus. How do you give your life to Christ? Teach people that. Go and baptize. Go, teaching them to obey, Jesus says, everything that I've commanded you. That's what we're to teach, the word of God, the full word of God. What does teaching look like? Teaching looks like pointing people to Jesus. That's what it looks like. In this picture, we're, we're, we're working with our teenagers. We're serving pancakes to the community, and we're, we're praying over this. And we're teaching young people 
how to love God and how to care about the world. We're teaching young people the Great Commission. This is what every one of us should be doing. Somewhere in our little world, we should be involved helping people grow in their faith, move toward God, serve the world for Christ. That's what it looks like. That's what teaching looks like. Do we love Jesus? Do we really, really love Jesus? And finally, how are we to walk by faith? How do we live out the Great Commission? The last thing that Jesus says is this, by holding on to the one who is holding on to you. That's how. This is the only way it's all going to happen, is when we hold on to Jesus more than we hold on to anything else. If you are trying to hold on to Jesus and grab all the trinkets of the world, you are not going to make it. You're not going to make it. The only way you're going to make it is if you let go of this stuff and with both hands, you are holding on to the one who is holding on to you. Both hands. Fully surrendered to God. You can't surrender to God with one hand and be doing whatever you want with the other hand. That's not how it works. God wants 100% of you or he doesn't want any of you. You want to hold on to Jesus? Do it with everything in you. He says, Jesus said to them, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. Get that. You look around this world. There are a lot of broken promises out there. Our leaders in this country are of nothing but a bunch of liars breaking every promise. There are no promises being even made anymore. Just a lot of lies and deceit. Maybe your boss has, has uh, broken his promise with you at some point. Perhaps your parents aren't, didn't keep up to their end of the bargain or aren't keeping up to their end of the deal. And there's broken promises there. Well, there is one promise that you can bank on. I, I'm here to tell you that there is one that you can trust in. There is one who sticks closer than a brother. There is one who has always been faithful from the creation of the universe to this very moment. He, God, has always been faithful. Always. He never breaks his promises and he's made thousands of them and he's kept them all. His word is trustworthy and his word is true. You can bank on it. You can count on it. It will happen. Just give it time. It's going to happen. In his final words to his disciples, Jesus promises to be with us, to walk with us in this life, in the form of the Holy Spirit that he poured out to live in us. God living in us, to be in us, to help us in this life. Jesus promises that he will be with us to the very end. To the very end of the age, that's right up until the second coming of Christ. God promises to walk with us until Jesus returns. Never will he leave us. Never will he forsake us. In Jesus, there is no fear. In Jesus, there's no reason to worry. In Jesus, there is no reason to second guess or even doubt. In Jesus, all, every one of God's promises are yes and amen. God will keep every promise that he has ever made. He will do exactly what he said he will do. He is holding on to you. The question is, are you holding on with both hands to him? Are you holding on to him? What's it look like to hold on to Jesus? Well, I can tell you this. As we sink, as this world sinks, as people sink, as in our own lives we wander and waver and get sucked into the things of this world and we begin to sink, when you reach out to God, you reach up to God, he will be reaching down to you.
He loves you. He loves us more than we'll ever know. And when we turn and ask God to help, he is right there waiting to help. He will come to your rescue. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. That's what Jesus said. That's the Great Commission. Do we love Jesus? Do we really love Jesus? Walking by faith means a lot of things. We've talked about a number of things so far. And there's more things that we could even talk about about what it means to walk by faith, to help us define in detail what that truly means. But today, being a true disciple of Jesus, being a true disciple of Jesus means that we are going to live out the Great Commission. That is what we're going to do as we live on this earth. We are going to go out and live the Great Commission in our life. Let's go walk by faith. Let's do it. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In light of what you have done for us, God, we want to go and live the Great Commission in our life. God, help us to do that. Help us to begin taking steps that move us closer and deeper into walking with you and walking for you and sharing you, God, with the world. God, what a joy it is to see somebody give their life to Christ. What a blessing. What a joy it is. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Walk with us as we walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. See you next time.